Jazz First Point Guard and Trail Blazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Film wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Back to five days a week next week. For now, our final summer production schedule with three episodes this week. So tell your friends, season's back. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, uh, it was going to be all about Jeremy Grant, but the Blazers did, did some stuff. So we got a little news to lead off the show. The Blazers had another big man, a familiar name, Duop Reith, joins the squad at least for now. And then we will roll our first of our season previews, talking Jeremy Grant to close the show. But let's start with the news. Then we'll talk all things JG. Blazers added a new player to the roster. Their 15th NBA contract. Uh, they can no longer give out NBA deals. They're, f- they're full up uh, after adding Duop Brief, the big man who played for the Blazers in Summer League. Uh, 27-year-old center. He's, uh, you know, played professionally since 2020 in, in Serbia. He's played in the Australian League. He's played in China. He's played in Lebanon. He played for the Blazers in Summer League, and he was he was arguably their best center. I don't even think arguably. I always say he was their best center on the roster in summer league. He averaged 13 and seven and a half, um, eight blocks and six deals in five games, a defensive playmaker in that, in that summer league run five games in Vegas. Um, but he was clearly like a, a pro, right? And then he's at 27 like good enough to play professionally somewhere. And I, a lot of people would ask, and I said, yeah, like, I think he's a pretty clearly better than Ibu Baji. So he's a, you know, pretty, for, for, um, Pretty, pretty clearly just like further along in his, his basketball development. He's just, he's good. Um, and, but there's probably better options for him out there than signing a, uh, a, a two-way deal with the Blazers. And, the, and he's eligible for a two-way deal because he's never appeared in the NBA. So conceivably he could get that. But I assumed that he was, that there was just better professional options out there than a two-way deal. And according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, the Blazers have signed Duop Reith to a one-year contract. And if you're a regular listener to the show, you'll remember the yesterday show or whenever you listened to this, I guess a couple days ago. The, the previous episode, I said that I, I believe that the roster was finalized at 14 players. And the reason that I thought the Blazers, the Blazers roster was finalized, quote-unquote, was that signing another minimum guy was going to put them over the luxury tax threshold. And I mentioned that I did some back of the napkin math math to get there. And luckily, my logic was correct and my back of the math ma- napkin math was also correct. Whew, thank goodness. I was straight up wrong about finalized, but my logic was there. And let me walk you through it. Um, shout out to Keith Smith at SpotRack who helped me figure this out. Uh, Keith, a, a, a CBA and, and all things salary expert, uh, Hooked, hooked your boy up. Someone who's better at just at, doesn't need a napkin can, can actually do this in a spreadsheet. Uh, but the Blazers are $3.3 million above the or below the luxury tax threshold. When you sign a minimum deal, they count as a second year minimum deal, which is like a shade over $2 million. You cannot, they cannot add both minimum contracts. That would be Duop Reef and Kevin Knox, along with Moses Brown, who they already signed. They cannot add all of those gentlemen and stay below the luxury tax threshold. So um, I was wrong. Ain't finalized. But the logic on why it would it would be why I thought it was final it was just because this is this team's not going to be a luxury tax team. Um, they're they I, they will not carry 15 players if they have to go into luxury tax to do so. I, I am certain of that. So what we will wait and see is the guarantees on 
the contracts for Knox and the contracts for Reef. Uh, Moses Brown has has a partial guarantee just for signing the contract, got a little bit of money for signing, and he has uh, half a million dollars, according to Keith Smith, um, guaranteed if he's on the opening night roster. So if the other folks, if, if Reef and if Knox have similar deals, they will be truly competing for the final roster spot for the Blazers' um, in training camp, which would be which would be some intrigue, but I, they will not carry fifteen. But Reef is, if nothing else, um, an intri- like I think for me, and this is probably recency biased. Quite frankly, I think he's better than Moses Brown. Um, he's smaller and he's older. Like he's not as tall and he's older, um, so he certainly has less upside and all of that. And the Blazers might prioritize upside over sort of like, hey, let's take a flyer on a twenty-three-year-old as opposed to twenty-seven-year-old who's probably like pretty much what he's going to be. But I like Reef as a player. I think he's a backup big in the league, no prob. Um, whether he ends up being that for the Blazers, we we shall see. But I think he certainly has a. Um, I think he has the skill set to be that. He's he's big and physical. He can shoot a little bit. Um, he's not like uh, this crazy good athlete, but he can. He has got long enough arms to block shots and get in the passing lanes and be at least. Um, you know, I think he will see. He might struggle a little bit against NBA level athletes just because of his um, his lateral movements. But um, and he's not like this crazy above the rim athlete. But he's but he's big enough, long enough, strong enough to play in 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 the NBA and be a backup center. I have, I'm, I'm totally confident in that. I'm certainly more confident in him being productive this coming fall than I am in Moses Brown, but the Blazers aren't like, I think some of the confusion maybe with like, what, what is this team doing? It's like, they're not trying to be the best version of themselves in October of 2023. They're trying to take the right steps and get the right guys to be the best version of themselves you know, if not months down the line, a year down the line, right? Like you, you make decisions, they're making decisions with just like a much longer tail, a much longer runway. It's just, um, so you could see why they would prioritize the young guy, but Reef that certainly will compete. Uh, you know, he could take Knox's spot and they could just carry three centers. They probably should do that. They probably should carry three centers cause they're going to, they're going to need size. Like, yeah, if I were making decisions and I'm not like, again, I'm, I'm a, I'm a napkin mathematician. I would carry three centers and, and, and wave Knox or cut Knox at training camp, assuming he's, he doesn't have a fat guarantee, but we'll see. That would be the biggest indicator. Um, there's no way that they become a tax team. There is a world in which they can just wave all these dudes, make a Dame trade and like totally re reconfigure everything. Um, but for now, reef is Reef is, is going to be in training camp and he's going to have a chance to make the roster for sure. And for my money, he's the Blazers' second best center on the team right now. Should be should be interesting. That'll have real real intrigue. Uh, I didn't think I don't didn't think we were gonna get much intrigue beyond like dame drama in training camp, and now we have a battle for the final spot. Um, because of luxury tax concerns and, ex- and an expensive roster. Okay, in the second segment, let's talk Jeremy Grant. Our season previews, the first of now 15 that we're going to do, uh, plus the two-way guys. So I guess 16 of these bad boys heading up to the start of the regular season. We'll start with Jeremy Grant. Uh, our season previews, our player capsules, getting you ready for all things JG coming up in the 23-24 season. But first, I want to tell you about Ibotta. Look, you're going to buy stuff. Like, you're going to go out and spend money. That's life. You're going to have to. So why not let that hard-earned money do a little bit of work for you and get something in return by using Ibotta? 
Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of products, including all your grocery items. So produce, personal care, pantry goods, anything you're buying at the grocery store, you can beat inflation no matter what you're purchasing. You just link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire grocery trip. You could use that to you know, upgrade to a nicer seat on a flight. You could get tickets to a game you want to go to, take yourself out to a fancy dinner, whatever it might be. Other apps are going to give you points. They don't really amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash. Real cash, you can put in your bank account, you can send to PayPal, you can just get it in the form of gift cards. Plus, you can earn cash back, not just at the grocery store, but hundreds of online brands and retailers. So why not go to places like Lowe's and Macy's and Sephora and Best Buy and a bunch of others and earn real cash back? Right now, Ibotta is offering my listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. All right. Let's talk Jeremy Grants. It is the first installment of our third annual. I've done this for three years now. Third annual Lockdown Blazers countdown to tip off. We're running through every player on the roster, giving you a brief but thorough look at what they'll bring to the team. Uh, the way we do this is we'll look for those applicable, how they performed last season, how they wound up on the Blazers. We'll talk best and worst case scenarios for the upcoming year and finish the show talking expectations and likely role this year uh this one is our first one we're meeting at the bank talking all things jeremy grant in jeremy grant's first season with the blazers he averaged 20.5 points 4.5 boards and 2.4 assists in 35.7 minutes 63 games all starts shot 47 and percent from the floor a career best 40.1 percent from three and 81.3 percent from the free throw line he arrived in portland via trade in july of 2022 and it did not take him long to like be useful he had 23 and 8 in his blazers debut in sacramento and in the eighth game of the season he had 30 points at Phoenix and hit a game winner in an early November meeting against the Suns in which he definitely did not travel at the end of the game. He did not travel. He caught it and um, he shot it and he definitely didn't travel at the end of the game. But that was that was a night where he had 30, a game winner, and the Blazers beat the Suns on the road with no Damian Lord and no Anthony Simons in the lineup. And Jeremy Grant carried them to a, a really nice early season win and he kept it. He kept that thing rolling. And on November 25th, the Friday after Thanksgiving, at, at Madison Square Garden, he scored a career-high 44 in an overtime win against the Knicks. He was, particularly early on, just freaking good. Like, it was undeniable. He, he was getting tough defensive assignments, and he was just balling on offense, shooting better than he ever had in his career. He appeared in the first 35, he appeared in 35 of the Blazers' first 37 games. And in those first 35 games that he played in, he averaged 22 and a half points on 45.2% shooting from three. 23 a game on 45% shooting from three. And then on, that was, that was through January 4th. But during that game, uh, against Minnesota on January 4th. He left in the third quarter with a quad injury. And he came back, you know, left with about five minutes left in the third quarter, came back in the fourth and finished the game. And he's listed as questionable uh, going forward, but didn't miss any time for that one. Didn't miss any time. But he had this, this the, the sort of the initial quad injury happened on January 4th. That was the Blazers' 37th game of the season. And at that point, Jeremy Grant shooting 45% from three. Over the next 28 games, 
down from 22.5 to 17.9 points per game, and his shooting fell off a cliff, 32.9% from three over the next 28 games. And his season finally came to an end on March 12th when he left a game against the uh, New Orleans Pelicans with a a, a flare-up, a, a, a re-aggravation of that same quad injury. Uh just four games later, the Blazers decided to pull the plug on the whole season. So Jeremy Grant gets injured on March 12th. Um, Chauncey Billups tells reporters it's not super serious, and they hope to have Jeremy Grant back soon. And then on March 22nd, the Blazers go into Utah, um, and Dame and Ant and Shaden Sharp play really well together, and they win at Utah. And the team said, we have to stop winning games. Like, th- th- that was like the, that was that was it. They said, okay, no more good wins, no more quality basketball games. We have to lose like all hell. And so then they pulled the plug on the season, and nobody came back. So I think Jeremy would have likely played at the end of the season. But um, the team was losing on purpose. Uh, and making up injuries whole cloth because that's what they do at the end of every season is they lie about injuries and lose on purpose. Hopefully we don't have to endure that again, but um, I'm a little I'm a little shaken after two years of that. Jeremy Grant's season ends on March 12th. The Blazers' season in earnest ends 10 days later on March 22nd. And Jeremy Grant was never a candidate to return to action, but he was a candidate to return to the basketball team. And ooh, return he did. The Blazers, like I said, had acquired Jeremy Grant the prior July in a trade that had been set up for months. It was rumored that the Blazers pursued Jeremy Grant at the prior uh, trade deadline. They didn't get a trade done. And then they had they had set up a perfect, a a almost too perfect trade exception. It was within, you know, $30,000 of perfectly absorbing Jeremy Grant's contract. Seems like Joe Cronin did a little bit of math, ended up getting Jeremy Grant for a first round pick, you know, first in a couple seconds and just absorbing him into a, uh, into a, a trade exception that they had perfectly earmarked for him. So when they had, you know, and that was the, the back half of the CJ McCollum deal. So when you've traded CJ McCollum, you've traded the first round pick that you've acquired in the CJ McCollum deal and you've acquired Jeremy Grant, there was a sort of opportunity cost in, in just like you, you, or maybe sunk cost fallacy is perhaps more accurate. The Blazers felt like they absolutely, absolutely, and unequivocally had to bring back Jeremy Grant. So they did. And Jeremy Grant got every last dollar from the Portland Trail Blazers. He signed a five-year, $160 million contract, including a player option for the fifth season in 27-28, where Jeremy Grant will start the year at 33 and turn 34. Uh, in the midway through that season. Um, Like, in general, I think the contract is not going to hurt over the first couple years. Like, I think Jeremy Grant's going to be probably worth the money. And But even as the as the cap rises in the final three years of that contract, it's about the same percentage of the cap the whole time based on the way the cap rises. So it's it's not like it doesn't get, like, wildly arduous in a terms of, like, percentage of cap space he'll take up. But um, I'm willing to wager paying Jeremy Grant 20-some percent of the 20, like, low 20s, 21% of your cap space when he's 32 and 33 is going to be um, not super appealing to a bunch of teams. Maybe it will be. Maybe he'll. Maybe he'll. Um, maybe he'll really prove me wrong. But I think the back half of that deal is super unappealing. And when you look at sort of the rest of the free agents signed this summer, their contracts seem to make a little more sense in terms of flexibility for teams. Jeremy Grant got what he got it all, including the player option. He got all of it. He the Blazers. You know, Clutch Sports knew that they had that the Blazers kind of had to sign Grant at all costs. And they said, 
Well, here's all costs. Good for Jeremy Grant. I'm always rooting for folks to get paid, but just in sort of, um, and again, I don't think it will be particularly arduous until the final two, three years of that deal when it will be like, ooh, and, and maybe make him slightly harder to trade down the line, but we shall see. Jeremy Grant's paid. He's coming back. And in year two, what's he going to look like? That's what we'll talk about in the second segment. The best and worst case scenarios and then our expectations for Jeremy Grant. Join me in the third segment, won't you? Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked On Blazers. We're still talking all things Jeremy Grant in the first installment of our third annual Locked On Blazers countdown to tip off. So... How we do the best and worst case scenarios here are with, in reason, and without injury. So within reason, and we're not talking MVPs if someone can't win MVP. We're trying to make reasonable best case scenarios. And without injury means everyone's worst case scenario is their body breaks down. We're talking stuff that happens on the court. Uh, what we're trying to do with the best and worst case scenarios is set the polls. In general, folks fall in the middle of the polls. That's why we try to set them, and then at the end of the year, we will revisit them. So what's the best case scenario for Jeremy Grant? Well, it's something akin to his first 35 games in a Blazers uniform, except with even more volume. He averaged 22.5 on 45% shooting from three, well above his career average. He was, you know, if 40 percent from three that he shot for the year was his was his career best. 45% is, you know, a magnitude above it. He was shooting the lights out. And the best case scenario is that he continues to be just an elite half-court catch-and-shoot shooter, playing off the guards, Anthony Simons and Scoot Anderson and Shaden Sharp to some extent. Jeremy Grant continues to be an elite half-court player. And instead of having a, a drop-off, whether it's just sort of the natural math of, of, of how it works or if it's related to this quad injury that seems like it's a pretty clear demarcation of when he started to shoot poorly, he continues to push up towards that career-best shooting season yet again. And as his usage continues to tick up on a Blazers team that is going to lean on him a lot this year, he puts up another career-best efficiency season, or at least near-career-best efficiency season, as he did last season, and he's in the casual conversation for all-star snubs when we get to MLK Day. The best-case scenario for when we, get to Jeremy, when we get to the end of January for Jeremy Grant is not that he's an all-star, right? I, I think that is too rich to ask for best-case scenario. Perhaps for you, you think that's within the realm. But for me, the best-case scenario is not that Jeremy Grant is, like, clearly an all-star. It's really freaking hard to make the all-star team, particularly in the Western Conference. But the best-case scenario is that when you get there and you start seeing the list, Jeremy Grant's name is on every list. Hey, we couldn't include him, but he's next. I would have voted for him. Oh, he's next, right? Um, he's not one of the five best forwards in the league, but he's clearly six or seven. That's the best-case scenario for Jeremy Grant is that with the... This year, he's likely to see a, a pretty significant uptick in usage. At some point, Damian Lillard's not going to be on the roster, and Jeremy Grant is pretty much the only NBA, certainly the only NBA starting power forward on the roster, and maybe the only NBA power forward on the whole roster right now. And so he's, you know, he's already playing 37 minutes a night last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's ticking up towards 38, 39 this year. Like, they're going to lean on him a bunch, and they're going to need it. And there's going to be more shots available for him um, because if you lose Damian Lord's volume, it, it doesn't just magically go. You know, it's, get, it's going to get spread out, and so no one else is going to going to uh, tick, like have the sort of offensive volume that that Dame does. So it might be Jeremy Grant getting four more shots a night. And what you hope is that it, the best case scenario is that his efficiency stays where it is on higher volume. The worst case scenario is the flip side of that coin is that he's still likely to score. Like I think Jeremy Grant is pretty much a lock to score 20 a game. I think 20 
24 and four, maybe 24 and three rather is like what he averaged last season, like put in the books. The difference will be the dip in efficiency as his workload increases. And the worst case scenario is that the catch and shoot monster that he was early in the season never returns with less Damian Lillard terror to play off of in the half court. And without that super gravity of one of the best offensive players of his generation with Dame is that Jeremy Grant doesn't get as clean a looks, doesn't get as easy a looks, and just doesn't become that that just you know, elite three-point shooter that he was to start the first half of the season. And on a team that's less lethal on offense, his shortcomings are further emphasized and exaggerated. His lack of rebounding, his lack of playmaking, and his difficulty getting around screens on defense are more of a glaring issue for a team with a much, which much, with much, 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 much less margin for error. That's the thing about Jeremy Grant. I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be pretty much as productive as he was last season, if not just like a little bit less efficient, because when you have a career year, the chances that you have another one, that's just like not how career years work. Like he, instead of shooting 40%, he might shoot 38% from three, but that little dip on more volume will be more exaggerated. And the things he doesn't do, dude doesn't rebound and he's not much of a passer. He doesn't, re, he doesn't board and he doesn't, he doesn't make plays for others. He's a play finisher. He shoots. So if the shooting dips a little bit and he doesn't rebound and he still doesn't pass, that's the worst case scenario is that it gets more exaggerated and, and just louder. I think the the issue with Jeremy Grant is I I think his I think his overall production in terms of best and worst is relatively narrow. He's gonna average like twenty-four and three on good shooting, or he's gonna average twenty-four and three on bad shooting. And you'll just you'll feel it in the margins. Oh, he still doesn't rebound on a team that desperately needs rebounders. Oh, he doesn't really play make on a team that lost the like crazy gravity of Damian Lord and just needs someone else to kind of grease the wheels and be a guy who can score and pass. And if he gets continued to ask to ask to guard at the point of attack, which he was way too much last season, his issues on defense will continue to be exaggerated. He's a good defender in ISO against guys who are as fast as him. When he has to guard low fast guys who can get around pick and rolls, get around screens quickly and operate pick and rolls, the things he's bad at get exaggerated. And the worst case scenario is that that continued ask on a team that's still going to need that most likely, even though Matisse Leibel is going to get a bunch of that, um, soak up a bunch of that. The worst case scenario is that the things that Jeremy Grant doesn't do well become more pronounced as the year goes on. And while he doesn't really fall off, it just feels a little bit worse. That's the worst case scenario. So what we do to close these shows, um, typically this would be its own segment, but we had a little do-op wreath segment at the top, uh, is, is talk about realistic role and expectations. Like we set the polls. Efficient shooting, 24 and 4. Inefficient shooting, 24 and 3. Like I, I really do think his, I really do think this sort of overall box score production is not going to, is going to be right there for Jeremy Grant. I guess the best case scenario is the average is like 24 and a half, not 20. But I, I don't think he's going to have, I think the guards are going to soak up some some of those points. So I, I think Grant's in that 21-22 range right yet again. So expectations, well, one, I've already mentioned it. He's going to play a ton of minutes. And, and that's some of the worry about his efficiency. The special part of Jeremy Grant's season to begin the year is that he was just... He, when he caught the ball in the wing, he got to shoot it because that was all that was asked of him. And it went in at 45% of the time. But the ask might change and he's going to be playing even more minutes. And that that part 
that I don't worries me. That's not the right word. I'm not worried about this Blazer team. I don't think they're going to be very good. And I think it's totally cool that they're not going to be very good. They're, they're building to what's next. Right. Um, and Jeremy Grant, like shooting a little bit worse than the best shooting season of his career is not going to be something that is a big siren for me. But first and foremost, my expectation is that he plays like 38 minutes a night, like a ton, a ton. I think one thing I've, I've learned in the two seasons of Chauncey Billups is that if he has a guy he trusts, and particularly if the guys he's behind that player he doesn't trust, Chauncey is not afraid to lean, 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 lean on those folks. He played Josh Hart probably way too many minutes last year because Hart was dependable. He would do, he would just do the right things, and the other options, you know, were rookie Shaden Sharp and 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 Nazir Little, who Chauncey Billups clearly did not trust at the same level. And I think that could happen again this year. Jeremy Grant's going to play a play a ton of minutes his role like you you know his role he's going to be a, a, a guy who gets mid post touches he's going to get wing touches they're going to run you know they didn't they don't run a ton of pick and rolls where he's the ball handler with him they don't run a ton of they run almost no screening action where he's the screener um he's not a great physical screener but i think they could um i think they could get some actions or at least dribble handoffs and stuff like that where Jeremy has some some opportunities to do those things but when you're a good shooter sometimes you don't want to be in pick and roll you want them spread out because good shooting is more valuable away from the play not in the middle of it so my my I don't I think Grant is likely to have uh what is what is akin to a bigger, louder version of the role he had last year. Like he's not going to suddenly have a bunch of on-ball reps and he's not suddenly going to be like this pick and roll ball handler and great play facilitator. Um, he kind of is what he is, right? He's a good, he's a pretty good help defender. He's a, he's a really good ISO defender against guys, his size. You put someone like, um, you put someone about like size as Grant in front of him. He, he can use his length and use some anticipation skills to be a good defensive player. I think he won't get every single, um, you know, lead guard assignment because they can give that to Matisse Thibel, and I think that will help him defensively a bunch, put him more in a natural role on defense. But his offensive role is going to be the same. He's a play finisher, and he's going to play off their pick-and-roll guards. Amphrey Simons, Damian Lillard, as long as he's on the roster, Scoot Henderson. Um, I think Shaden Sharp will get some on-ball reps, and, and Grant will be, when he gets it, he will get to make decisions. Jeremy Grant usually makes the decision to shoot it, and he, at the beginning of last year, was a really good shooter, and it helped. My expectation for Jeremy Grant is that it looks like this season, year one in Portland, but a little bit worse because he's asked to do a little bit more and has worse coworkers helping him do a little bit more. Let me know in the comments section, if you're watching on YouTube, what are your expectations for JG? That's what we'll do for all of these. It's like you share below if you want to just comment anything, your thoughts on what Jeremy Grant is going to bring to the team this season. He was a he was a solid get for the Blazers, and I think he's going to be a solid player for them again this year. Um, it's just the team, the roster might drastically change around him. It's just like he seems... You know, he's in a weird position, right? He just signed a long-term contract and he's um, older than the sort of next wave of folks. So I think how Jeremy Grant fits in and what he does leadership-wise is going to be really curiosity, a real curiosity to me because he's going to be um, 
a voice that folks look to in the, in the locker room. Um, he's not super loud in public, but uh, at least as, as Chauncey Billups tells it, he is someone that people listen when he speaks in private. So how Jeremy Grant sort of steps into that role, particularly if they're in the post-Dame trade world, whenever that might happen, um, and, and the team, if the team remains significantly younger than him, it'll be interesting how Jeremy Grant steps into that role. Okay, that's going to do it for today's show. We got one more this week. Come back and listen to that one. And uh, guess what? Next week, five days a week, we'll continue rolling along with our with our season previews. We will continue talking all things uh, Blazers news and Blazers roster as we get into training camp. Um, hopefully, I'll say something is finalized when it's clearly not finalized. But at least they got 15 players now, uh, so I can't be super wrong. Even though I was I was right, but mostly wrong even if i was right in spirits okay more shows more shows coming up tell your friends about the podcast i appreciate you listening i'll talk to you soon